Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the Monday, January 22nd slate of college basketball DFS. It is only a two-game slate, but it is two quality games with Wake Forest taking on North Carolina and Cincinnati taking on Kansas. Um, So with it being two entertaining games and two teams that really give us a lot of options in DFS, this should be a pretty interesting slate. And so we're going to break it down here on this episode and kind of go with an overview of both games, what you can expect from each game and what you can expect from all of the players in each game and kind of some different ways you can build your lineups on DraftKings and FanDuel around each of these two games. Now, while I got you here, go ahead and hit that subscribe button to the channel um, so that way you can be notified when new episodes drop um, for the rest of all of our college basketball content all season long, as well as our weekly golf and NFL content. Um, if you are interested in best ball, we uploaded a video earlier today about PGA best ball, which has made its way to underdog. So check that out if you are interested. But if you subscribe, you'll be notified when you, all of our college basketball content drops, as well as the other sports for the rest of the season. Now, also, I will likely not have a preview on here for the Tuesday night slate because tomorrow night we will be doing the weekly golf episode for the Farmers Insurance Open. So if you want my thoughts on the Tuesday slate, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks, and also make sure that you join the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on YouTube as well as on the audio feed because I will be dropping my game notes in there um, as well as I'll just be chatting it up, talking plays, talking strategy. Um, so that way, pretty much anything you want to know about this slate, you can ask me in there or we'll be talking about it in there in general. So um, make sure you join that if you want my thoughts on the big time Tuesday slate. All right. So without further ado, let's end the introduction there and let's go ahead and start breaking down game number one, the showdown on Tobacco Road, Wake Forest taking on North Carolina. All right. So the first game of the night is Wake Forest heading to Chapel Hill to take on North Carolina. And look, I can say this because I've actually been to Wake Forest game this this year. I have a friend who is a um, Wake season ticket holder and um, big Wake fan. And I, I know a lot of Wake fans. I know a lot of Carolina fans as well. But this game means a lot to Wake Forest, right? Like Wake Forest is kind of one of those schools that in their own state, they kind of feel like the little brother to North Carolina and Duke and NC State. And so anytime Wake is lined up against one of those three teams, they want to win badly. It's a super vital game. And this season, it takes on even more importance because right now Wake Forest is fighting for an at-large tournament berth. And this is also the second game where Wake Forest is going to be at full strength. More on that in a second. So Let's talk about what this game projects to be like. So currently, Ken Palm has this game projected to be 82 to 72 in favor of North Carolina, which is a total of 154 points. It is the higher game total on the slate by eight points higher than Cincinnati and Connecticut. Last year, these two teams played some absolute run and gun shootouts. Um, at UNC, uh, Carolina won 88 to 79. And then at Wake Forest, Wake was able to win 92 to 85. So both games combined for over 165 points. I expect that to be a similar scenario here this year. Um, Wake ranks 149th in tempo and UNC ranks 53rd in tempo, um, which means UNC is the fastest tempo team on the slate. We know Carolina likes to get up and down. So let's go ahead and talk about the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. So Wake is actually one of the most starting five heavy teams in the nation. They rank 329th in bench minutes, according to Ken Palm. However, there is a drastic change to that. Um, Damari Monsanto 
who was a starter for them last season, is now back from a season in the knee injury from last year. Um, against Louisville on Saturday, he played in that game, played 11 minutes. In those 11 minutes, he put up 24 or 21 fantasy points, um, and he had a 22% usage rate in that game. Those are pretty solid numbers. If he was able to play more than 11 minutes, you'd have to have real faith that he's going to put up a lot of fantasy points, right? Last season, he averaged about 24 fantasy points per game on about 24 minutes per game. To me, he is the wild card of the slate. Like, this is probably one of the most high upside value plays on the slate. But again, Wake Forest is still one of the most starting five heavy teams on the slate. So to play, or starting five team heavy teams in the nation for that matter. So if Monsanto is going to play more minutes, it's going to come at the expense of someone else. However, Monsanto did have two really solid performances against Carolina last year. He had 28 and 25 fantasy points in those two games. So he has a history of playing well against the Tar Heels. So I really like Monsanto. He's one of my favorite value plays. I think he has a lot of upside, and I don't think there's a whole lot of sure things down there um, at his price tag and below, and, and I think he is a pretty solid option on this slate. Now, last year in those two games, Tyree Appleby, Wake Forest point guard, had massive performances against Carolina, over 35 fantasy points in both games, which would mean conventionally that if we get a similar game environment that Kevin aka Boopy Miller is able to have a big time performance this year against Carolina playing the role of the Deeks point guard so Boopy generally gets double digit shots the game against Louisville that was really over at halftime um, was the only game in conference play where he failed to reach well I guess the Boston College game he had nine shots um, but his seven shots against Louisville were his lowest shot total of the season in conference play. And so his 19 fantasy points in that game were his lowest in conference play. He is a guy who draws a lot of fouls. He gets the rim a lot. He also has a high assist rate. I think he can do what Tyree Appleby did this year. And I think he has a lot of upside at only $7,300 on DraftKings. Now, he is also still the team's leader in usage on the season by about 5%. So if you think this game's going to get up and down, it's probably going to be in the hands of Boopy Miller getting fancy points one way or another. Now, Hunter Salas and Cam Hildreth at the guard spot are stat sheet fillers. They, they do a lot of things in, in the game that will fill up the stat sheet. They both have about a 23% usage rate, um, and that they would generally both be benefited by a pace-up game. Um, the problem is, is that DeMar Monsanto is going to steal minutes from one of these two guys if he does play a lot. So um, if I had to guess, I would say it would probably be more from Hildreth than Salas. Salas is an elite defender, and Salas is also very efficient. Um, he, he shoots the ball at a higher percentage than Hildreth. Um, however, Hildreth is a high upside player. He's... Um, I don't want to say reckless is kind of the wrong word, but he's aggressive with the basketball. He um, is very confident with the basketball, does take some shots that he might not should have, but there's some games where they seem to always go in. Um, and, you know, because he's so aggressive, he will get you a lot of assists as well, and he does go down there and fight for boards. So I would rank Salas over Hildreth, but just note, Hildreth does have a lot of upside. And on a two-game DraftKings slate and FanDuel slate, where you're going to have to be you know, everybody's going to know who the best plays are. So you're going to have to be different one way or another. I, I don't think it's a bad game theory play to play Hildreth and not Salas and hope that, you know, if Demari Monsanto plays a lot of minutes, it comes at the expense of Salas. Now, the two that I have concerned about for the Deacons are Efton Reed and Austin Carr. Um, Austin Carr generally plays at his best when the opposing team has a small ball power forward or does not have a true power forward at the power forward position. That's when he's at his best, like the game against NC State where he was 10 for 13 from the field where he was basically being guarded by a guard the whole game. Um, 
Against teams that play big, he generally doesn't play as well, like 16 fantasy points against Florida State, um, you know, 19 fantasy points against Boston College. And you can go back and look in the non-conference for more of those examples as well. But uh, Carolina plays a true power forward in Harrison Ingram. So Andrew Carr is not exactly a guy that I am running to play. Neither is Efton Reed. I like Efton Reed. I think he's really good. But he is very prone to foul trouble. Um, and he is also kind of inconsistent. Um, and I think Armando Baycott is going to draw fouls against him, and, and I could very much see him being in foul trouble for the entirety of this game. That, that is my concern on Efton Reed. I think both of them do have a little bit of upside. I think if Reed does get in foul trouble, Carr would probably see a little bit more minutes at the five and a little bit more usage. The only two guys on the bench that Wake even remotely plays outside of Monsanto, Parker Fredrickson is like a designated shooter. Um, like 90% of his attempted shots on the season are threes. Um, he's a solid defender as well. And then Zach Keller has been operating as the backup four five. Um, not a whole lot of usage though when he's out there. He's kind of just out there to play defense and get rebounds, not really involved in the offense a whole lot. So um, with, with the Deeks, I'm generally sticking with those top six guys. And really, I would focus it around their guards, not Carr and Reed. Now on the Carolina side, Last year in the games against Wake Forest, Caleb Love had two monster games against Wake. And so it would stand to reason that those games would now transfer to R.J. Davis, who is now operating as Carolina's point guard and more um, highest usage guard. In fact, out of anybody on the slate, R.J. Davis has the highest shot rate. And so um, if there's going to be a lot of points scored, there's going to be a lot of shots taken, and that bodes very well for R.J. Davis. His price is actually down on DraftKings to only $7,500. And that kind of makes him really playable in my opinion because you know 4x value which is kind of like the baseline where if you get 4x out of everybody you're probably going to cash most slates but you really want to shoot for 5x especially in gpps so he's gotten 4x his salary at $7,500 in three straight games um, and he's also gotten 5x in two of the last three and eight games total since Thanksgiving. This is the lowest price we've had on RJ Davis since uh, Thanksgiving, literally. So um, I love the price tip that we're getting on him. I love the fact that it's going to be an up-tempo game with a lot of points being scored, and, and I think this is a great spot for RJ Davis. The only thing that limits Armando Baycott is foul trouble. And if you go back and look at his game long, the games where he's in foul trouble are the games where he has failed to reach his ceiling. Talk about the game against Boston College on Saturday where I had him in my core. I was very nervous. Strong second half, 28 fancy points, and he didn't kill your lineup. Against NC State a few weeks ago, only 18 fancy points. DJ Burns got him in foul trouble in the first half. So if Baycott stays out of foul trouble, he's probably going to give you a pretty good game. Last year against Wake Forest, he actually got into foul trouble in um, one of those games and put up 17 and 11 still in limited minutes, and he had 20 one and nine in the other game as well. So um, two big time performances for Baycott. And if he can stay out of foul trouble, he should be in line for another one. Generally speaking, I would prefer to pay up for these Carolina guys, uh, Davis and Baycott over anybody else on the slate. Now, if you want to pivot off of Baycott or if you think he's going to get in foul trouble, could be a really solid game theory play to play Jalen Withers. He has been the guy who has been playing at the five spot when Baycott has been in foul trouble. Last three games, 18, 30, and 16 fantasy points at a salary of only $4,600. So if you're looking to play the game theory game, if you know that a lot of people are going to play Baycott, um, and if Baycott doesn't get there, it would stand the reason that he's in foul trouble, and it would stand the reason that Jalen Withers would be playing boosted minutes with boosted usage. I think he's a very solid not likely, but very solid pivot play if you're looking to make that pivot on DraftKings and FanDuel. 
Now, Harrison Ingram is also at his best when Armando Baycott is in foul trouble. Um, I mean, you look at the same games we just mentioned, NC State, 35 fantasy points, Boston College, 33 fantasy points. Harrison Ingram does well when Armando Baycott is in foul trouble. He also does his best against small ball power forwards. We kind of talk about the same thing with Andrew Carr. Andrew Carr is not a small ball power forward. However, Andrew Carr is not a great defender. I feel confident saying that after watching him enough this year that he's not an elite defensive player. So it would not shock me if Harrison Ingram did have a big game. But the bottom line is this. If you're not going to play Armando Baycott, I would strongly advise you to play Harrison Ingram or Jalen Withers or at least R.J. Davis. Like, I think this is the better game to target. I think Carolina is the best team to target on the slate. So if you're not going to play Baycott, get one of those other guys. Now, only twice in six conference games have Baycott and Ingram both hit 4x value together. So I don't necessarily think that they make for great stacking partners. I think Baycott and Davis or Ingram and Davis make more sense as stacking partners. Now, also for the rest of the Carolina guys outside of the big three, um, Elliot Cadeau, is it Cadeau or is it Cadeau? I've heard, I've heard both ways. He generally plays a lot of minutes. He generally puts up between 14 and 17 fantasy points, and um, he's not a terrible option. He doesn't shoot the ball a whole lot. You would need a lot of assists out of him to hit value, and I don't think he's the best play in the world, but at $4,500 on a slate that doesn't have a whole lot of value, there's worse options out there. Seth Trimble is kind of splitting minutes with Cadeau, which is also capping um, Cadeau's upside, but the fact that they're splitting minutes together, it's cap it's capping Trimble's upside as well. So those two guys will probably make my player pool because it is short slate, but they're probably not guys I'm going to have a whole lot of exposure to. I would rather just pay a little bit more money for Cormac Ryan. Cormac Ryan plays a ton of minutes. He is a great defensive player for the Tar Heels. He'll go down there and get boards. Um, and, you know, he's he can have a hot shooting night every now and then. When he has a hot shooting night, he generally gets above 20 fantasy points. And he's generally at his best in pace of games if you go look at his game log. So Cormac Ryan is definitely in the upper echelon of value plays for me on this slate. But again, talking about the Wake-UNC game as a whole, this is the better game environment target. This should be a really fun basketball game. You've got two teams that, in my opinion, I've watched enough of this year to say that they are fun to watch. They are entertaining. They play a fun style. And I would be looking to, if I'm playing on DraftKings and Vando, at least get half of my lineup from this game in general. All right, now let's flip on over to the battle in the Big 12, Cincinnati taking on Kansas. This is the 9 o'clock game. Um, I was kind of disappointed we only got a two-game slate, but I guess these are the only two power conference games that are being played um, Monday night, so I, I guess we get a smaller slate. Anyway, um, Ken Palm has this game projected to finish 76-70 to in favor of Kansas. Cincinnati ranks 156th in tempo. Kansas ranks 133rd, so this is just not going to see as many possessions as the Wake North Carolina game. Now, interesting stat, no team in the country assists on a higher percent of their baskets than Kansas. And Cincinnati actually ranks 212th in the defensive inverse of that stat. So Cincinnati gives up a lot of assists. Kansas gets a lot of them. That's a recipe for a lot of fantasy points for Kansas. Now, for the Cincinnati side, they've been very inconsistent with their starting five since they started Big 12 play. Um, you can kind of chalk that up to the health of C.J. Frederick and Aziz Bandego. They've just been swapping guys out a lot. But in the last game, they moved Aziz Bandego into the starting lineup in place of Dan Skilling's and Dan Skillings had been playing very well. He had two straight games where he had over 30 fantasy points and over 30 minutes played. And in the Oklahoma game, he was over three from the field, 18 minutes played, nine fantasy points. So moving to the bench really killed a lot of the value that he had, which makes him not interesting for me if um, he's going to be on the bench again. Now, another interesting thing with Cincinnati is they have massive home road splits. They are much better shooters at home than on the road. And guess what? 
They're on the road this game. Um, if you're looking for an example of that, look at Seamus Lukosius. Um, his last th- four road games um, have been 16.3, 11.5, 9.8 and 18.3 fantasy points. Um, he hadn't hit 4x value on the road in, in any of those last four games. So um, because he is significantly better at home than on the road, he kind of crosses himself off for me. Like he might make my player pool, but he's not a guy I'm going to be playing a whole lot of just because like with this whole team, he's significantly better at home. He should not be $5,200 if he was just looking at your, the, if you were just looking at the road splits, he would not be $5,200 on DraftKings. Now, John Newman has had two straight really solid games, 28 and 34 fantasy points, but it hasn't been through a lot of usage. He's been really efficient from the field. He's grabbed a lot of boards, um, and I don't necessarily know if that's something that's going to be sustainable, especially against a good defensive Kansas team, but he is definitely coming in on a little bit of a hot streak. Victor Lacken has solid usage rates, but like with him and Bandago, like how many times have we seen over the last four years Hunter Dickinson just get the other team's big in like instant foul trouble. And I just kind of feel like it's going to happen to one of them. I don't know which one of them is going to guard Dickinson. My money would be on Bandago, but if Bandago gets in foul trouble, guess who's going to be guarding him next? It would be Lacken. Um, so I'm not really super interested in either of those two guys just because I feel like Hunter Dickinson is going to get one of them in foul trouble. Now, Day-Day Thomas has been the Cincinnati's overall usage leader in usage leader in conference play. He's been up and down from the fantasy scoring, but if I'm playing anybody from the Cincinnati side, it would actually be Day-Day Thomas. Now, two guys that I do have to mention play little minutes but high usage rates, and that is Jizzle James. He is the backup point guard. If you go look at Day-Day Thomas's minutes and Jizzle James's minutes, they generally add to 40 because one of them is running the point and they're never in the game at the same time. So if you're looking to pivot off of Day-Day Thomas, Jizzle James is not a bad option. Um, and then also Jameel Reynolds, transfer from Temple. Um, he comes in and spells Bandago and Lacken, um, and he's a very high usage player. When he's in, they'll get him the ball on the low block and, and kind of just let him go to work in the post. Um, I watched the Texas game, you know, because I am a Texas fan. I was very impressed with him. He was very efficient, and, and he played very well. Um, but he doesn't see consistent minutes. But if one of those two bigs is going to be in foul trouble, you got to feel like he's going to see solid minutes, and they're going to use him if he's in the game. Now, on the Kansas side, Kansas is a team that revolves around two players, Hunter Dickinson and Kevin McCullough. They're the only two players on the roster who have a usage rate over 20%, and both of whom actually have a usage rate over 25%, and a shot rate that is over 26%. If you're going to play anybody from Kansas, it should probably be those two guys, but here's the thing. They're expensive, and I would kind of rather play Baycott and Davis than Dickinson and McCullough. However, again, thinking about it from a DraftKings perspective here, if everybody would rather play Baycott and Davis over Dickinson and McCuller, then that makes Dickinson and McCuller more appearing, more appealing options because they're coming in at lower ownership with about equal ceilings. However, it's still a higher price point. So I'll probably be playing a little bit of them. I do think you can stack them together. We've gone over that stat before that they actually do reach value together more often than not. Um, so I definitely wouldn't mind stacking both of them together. And if Kansas were to score 85 plus, it'd be largely because of those two guys having a huge night. 
Now, K.J. Adams tends to have his best games when one of Dickinson and McCullough doesn't hit value. Like, you look at the Oklahoma game, and I believe it was McCullough that had a dud performance in that game. Um, so, definitely not opposed to playing K.J. Adams, and I think he's a way you can get exposure to Kansas without paying up for Dickinson and McCullough. Um, the other guy that you do have to consider for Kansas is Dewan Harris. I don't play him a lot at all on DraftKings and FanDuel just because he doesn't shoot the ball a whole lot. Like, he will play an entire game and take, like, three shots in like 36 minutes played. And so I don't play him a lot because of that. However, with the assist rate being really high for, you know, Cincinnati's defense, I do think that this isn't a terrible spot for him. And he comes in with a high floor. He's had 20 straight fantasy points, um, you know, dating back to December 1st against UConn. So um, not a bad option, but definitely not my favorite play. Guy I do have to mention is Johnny Furphy. He was moved into the starting lineup three games ago, and in three starts, he's had 15, 32, and 27 fancy points. Really solid play. One of the better value plays on the entire slate. And then Nick Timberlake and Elmarco Jackson, they are now just bit players on this team that just play a few minutes and, and not a whole lot other than that. Same with Parker Brown. Um, so I'm just not really that interested in any of those guys. Might they be just a GPP dart throw? Like I'm somebody that generally plays 20 lineups. If I play 20 lineups, I might have Elmarco Jackson in one or two of them, but probably not anything other than that. All right, so before we get going, I do want to mention kind of the pricing on FanDuel is set up in a very similar way, um, but it's not a whole lot of value on FanDuel. Everything's kind of like regressed towards the middle just a little bit. So what I think is going to happen on FanDuel is I think that when you look at the slate as a whole, um, Furphy as well as Monsanto are going to be like America's favorite value plays on FanDuel because they're at very solid price tags and there's not a whole lot below them that's very um, promising. Um, and so I think those two are going to be very popular and I think a balanced build on FanDuel is going to be very popular because even the value plays that exist on DraftKings like Withers, um, Cadeau, Fredrickson, even those guys aren't like significantly like down in price on FanDuel. So I think that you're going to see a lot of Monsanto and Furphy value value plays with a balanced build behind it. All right, so that does it for the Monday two-game slate. Um, so we broke down both games, kind of gave you guys what you can expect from both of them from a DraftKings and FanDuel perspective. Now, remember, if you do want more information from me, there are a few places you can get it. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mike's Money Picks. You can join the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on YouTube as well as on the audio feed. Um, if you want my thoughts on the Tuesday night slate, because um, I'm probably not going to have an episode for it, Join the Fancy Corner Discord, follow me on Twitter, and I will also have the article on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. I'll post an article for every single slate where I highlight my core plays, as well as kind of my general lineup strategy and attack strategy for the slate. Um, and there's not a whole lot of people doing that for college basketball DFS. The Patreon is also how I fund um, a lot of the data that you, that you hear here on this show. So um, if you want to show some support to the channel, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, join the Patreon. It all helps me out greatly, and I really do appreciate it. You guys are the best. Lastly, we're looking to try something new this college basketball season. Signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. They have the best offers and promo codes for new users on any DFS player prop and sports book site that is legal in your state or province. Had to say province for my Canadian people. All right, so that does it for this episode, y'all. So hopefully I was able to give you guys a lot of information that is going to help you guys build your lineups for the Monday night slate um, and help you build some winning lineups for the Monday night slate. Um, so we will be back talking Wednesday's college basketball slate. We'll also have the golf 
episode tomorrow. So make sure you're subscribed so you can watch the golf episode, listen to the golf episode, and then be back for college basketball on Wednesday. All right, so that does it for this episode, y'all. Best of luck to you on the Monday Night Slate. Thank you guys for watching and listening, and I will see you next time. Thank you.